is to 1 Kings chapter 10. The Holy Spirit has been speaking so strongly in this area. And I just want to share just a little bit with you tonight. I'm not going to try to rush through this. This is too rich. How many of you know sometimes like today I was real hungry and went to the Mexican restaurant and I know I'm getting ready to go on a fast, so I thought I'd better get the biggest plate they had and had to go home and take a few Alka-Seltzer. feel like I need a few more. And uh, just ate it too fast. My wife told me, you got to chew, son. So one day I'll learn. But uh, sometimes you just got to just take your time and chew on the Word of God. And I feel this is so important according to 1 Kings chapter 10. I'll just kind of just go over it because you know, you know what it's about. The Queen of Sheba come and she heard about Solomon's fame. And she came to test him with hard questions. And she got to see his wisdom and she saw all the officials and the beauty of the temple and all that God, that God has done. And it says in verse 6, she exclaimed to the king, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. She didn't believe it until she saw it. And it says, your wisdom and prosperity are for beyond what I was told. And she talked about how happy are your people and God's praises among his people and the throne. And then she gave the king gifts. And you can start in verse 14. And, and, and uh, at verse 16, it starts talking about all that Solomon made, his shields of gold and, and all the things that he had built and, and all the buildings. And uh, you could just read there about all the wonderful things that Solomon had and Solomon accomplished. And as you read it, I mean, it's just like your mouth that just opens more and more and more. Then you come to chapter 11, verse 1, and it says, But... King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites and Amorites and Edomites and all these otherites from nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. And Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives and princesses and 300 calcubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. And it goes on to say the different things that Solomon got into. And I want to speak a few things to you there. It says, after talking about the wisdom and all the things of Solomon, that word but, I shared with you a few weeks ago, the word, but it serves as a hinge on a door. It can either close or it can open. The word, but there is a turning point. We don't continue to walk with our heart of wisdom. We come to a turning point in our life where everything we might have accomplished and every goal we might have had and everything we might have held dear in our heart could all of a sudden be closing in on us because we didn't keep the ways of wisdom. And God is, is just warning us here to be careful in the areas of wisdom. And, and, and let me just share a few things with you tonight. For one, for example, once again, I want to go to the uh, hurricanes. We just had the last two and many others. You know, there, there's now, according to different reports, there's over 50-something deaths with Ike alone. And, you know, it was told days in advance, please leave, leave. If you stay, it's certain death. 
And now they're trying to look and find the bodies that were washed away. And, and you know, so many people said, well, you just give me, some said, you just give me a gas tank and a chainsaw and I'll make it. And you know, that is just foolish talking, foolish jesting. And, and, you know, wisdom is crying out to instruct us and lead us to, to life. And we're going to talk about the things that wisdom wants to give us. But I want to share something else. People say I'm political, so let me get there. Come on. Everybody, not everybody, a lot of people are upset about losing their mortgages. But they don't ever interview the people to find out how big of a percentage of their salary when they got that mortgage how big of a percentage of their salary does that mortgage take? If you read the books, your mortgage should never be over 28% of your salary. That way you give room for highs and lows. But when it looks and sounds like, well, I can get a percentage rate real good, so let me just go ahead and get a bigger house, and we all want a bigger house. But you got to leave room because when you got that mortgage eight years ago, you didn't know how high gas was going to be today. You didn't know how much food was going to be today. That's why you don't get a mortgage that is worth half of your salary. You get a mortgage that is around 28% of your salary. Therefore, you're never really in a hard place to where you can't pay it. And some people say, well, I can't get the house I want for that type of money. Then you get the house you can get for right now for that type of money. Then later on, you get the other type of house when it's 28% of your salary. And there's a lot of people, they're standing in front of different people's houses saying, give me one of your houses. We've lost ours and it's your fault. No, no, no. How much money did you make a month and how much was your mortgage a month? Wisdom is the hinge that either opens or closes the door. And the more we get into the end times, we've got to walk in wisdom. I mean, we, we all may, well, I would love to have a car like that. I'd love to have a truck like that. I'd love to go on a vacation like that. Well, is it what percentage of it is of your salary? Can you afford it? Or do you need to stay used? Or do you need to get a trailer before you worry about getting a house? Well, I don't believe God wants me to have a trailer house. Why not? What's wrong with it? You live within your means. The American dream is not getting everything you want. The American dream is God's will for this nation. That's the American dream. And so we see here Solomon, he did all these things, but he let things pull from his heart. And, and there's a point I want to get to, but I want you to go with me. Look with me in Nehemiah chapter 13. Because they're going to use Solomon the prophet's going to use Solomon as an example here in Nehemiah chapter 13. Wisdom, the hinge. But I can choose. I can go. I can do. Let me, let me share something else while you're turning there. That way I give you time to get there uh, in Nehemiah uh, chapter 13. But, but let me share something with you also about wisdom. About the book of Proverbs. I've been sharing with you that there's a resurrection in the book of Proverbs. Let me share something with you. And, and, and you may want to write this down. You know, our church, we have two certified Christian counselors. My wife and sister Linda. Uh, two certified Christian counselors. We believe in Christian counseling and we believe in deliverance. How many of you know that? But I want you to write this down about the book of Proverbs. In the whole 31 chapters of Proverbs, 
Nothing can be blamed on demons, evil spirits, or darkness. Solomon and David could not blame anything in the book of Proverbs. They didn't ever put the blame, oh, that was in a spirit. Oh, I need, I need deliverance. They never put the blame on evil spirits and darkness. They put the blame on each individual choosing what they choose. The blame is on me whether I play the fool or I play the wise person. All 31 books is about whether we will choose wisdom or we will choose folly. Solomon and David and Bersheba was teaching here sound wisdom that, listen, don't blame the way your finances, your honor, your life, your marriage, your home. Don't blame it on any demonic spirits, even though we do know there's demonic spirits and there's principalities and powers and we know there's a, a war in the dark, dark world. But a lot of times we want to we want to cast out a spirit when it's really foolishness when you get rid of in Proverbs we need to get because wisdom is the hinge that opens the door. And so I really want you to see as we get into this, you're going to see how important wisdom and discernment. Wisdom is godly discernment on how to live in the end times. And and I I want this to help us and grow us. But I want you to see here in Nehemiah chapter 13, there's a passion that comes with wisdom. Nehemiah chapter 13, starting with verse 23. And at the same time, I realized that some of the men of Judah had married women from Ashad, Ammon, and Moab. Furthermore, half of their children spoke the language of Ashad, Ashdod and of some other people and could not speak the language of Judah at all. So I confronted them and called down curses on them. And listen to what he did. I beat some of them and pulled out their hair. This is a prophet. He said, have not you heard the word of the Lord? Didn't you read the commandments of God? And didn't you learn by that man who's supposed to be wise, King Solomon? And did you not learn by him marrying all the other women and them turning his heart after other gods? Did you not learn through that? And it says he beat them and he pulled their hair out. Did you ever feel with with people or with your kids? Oh, I would just like to get it into them. Well, that's how this prophet of God was. And it says, and I made them swear in the name of God that they would not let their children intermarry with pagan people of the land. And let's get verse 26 now. Wasn't this exactly what led King Solomon of Israel into sin? I demanded. He said, hey, you're going to answer me. No, no, no. Yes, here's this prophet. They're half, they got their hair pulled out. They got bruises. They're crying. They're saying, what type of maniac is this? And he's saying, I'd rather you go around in pain now than burn in hell. I demand of you answer this. There is no king from any nation who could compare to him, King Solomon. And God loved him and made him king over all Israel. But he was led into sin by his foreign wives. How could you even think of committing the sinful deed and acting unfaithfully toward God by marrying foreign women? One of the sons uh, of whoever, whoever, the high priest had married a daughter of Sanballat the, the Hornite, and I banished him from, uh, so I banished him from my presence. Boy, that does not sound like seeker friendly to me. 
He pulled their hair out. He slapped them around. And he says, I'll make you swear by God. And then he demands them to answer the godly question built on the commandments of God. Then he grabs one priest and he says, you totally are out of line. I banish you from my presence. People would say today, oh, just like I've been told here lately, you shouldn't be preaching that Old Testament stuff. And I said, how about Paul when he says, get that boy living with that mother-in-law and kick him out of the church now. Better for the destruction of his flesh for the salvation of his soul. He said, that's New Testament. Because there is a holy zeal with wisdom. There's a holy zeal with wisdom. There's a fire in wisdom. And that's what we need to walk through these end time days. And I'll show you why as we, as we get there. And he kicked that priest out of his presence. And then verse 30. So I purged out everything foreign and assigned tasks to the priests and Levites, making certain that each knew his work. I also made sure the supply of wood for the altar and the first portions of the harvest were brought at par- proper times. Remember this in my favor. Oh God, Nehemiah, the book is over. Lord, I stand before you. I had righteous indignation in wisdom, in knowledge and understanding. I did what wisdom told me to do. Now, Lord, I stand before you. I have said, spoken the word. Now, Lord, I stand before you. Judge me. Wisdom will give you all righteous indignation. And that's what God is wanting to stir up in his people. David and Solomon demanded each of us take responsibility for our actions. And our actions will either open or close the doors to come. The word of God said that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And yes, amen. But folly and foolishness will open the doors to the enemy and open the doors of things that will hurt us. How many know there is no God made failures? There is no God made failures and God doesn't want anyone to fail. But we can make a failure out of ourselves. By not accepting change. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 17. I want to show you how it was prophetic here. What was going to happen in Deuteronomy 17. And Solomon needed to read this. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 14. Deuteronomy 17 verse God had already warned them. And how many know we have been warned and we've got to take heed? It says, when you come to the land, and this is hundreds of years before Solomon. When you come to the land which the Lord God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all other nations that are around me. That's exactly the word for word what they told the prophet Samuel. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren. You will set as a king over you. And you will not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. But he shall, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, uh, nor return that way again. Neither shall he multiply, look, look at verse 17. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. God is saying, I'm going to tell you exactly what to be careful of. 
You're going to want a king and I'm going to choose for you a king and I'm going to be involved in your decisions. But this is what's going to happen. If you put a king over you, be careful that he does not want to multiply his wives and that his wives turn his heart away nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Solomon did all of that. And yet he's known as the wisest man that ever lived. How many know that this word will guard us and teach us and help us to become that tree of righteousness planted by the rivers of living water? Amen. But we've got to get this in our hearts. Uh, I want you to see. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 14. He says, be careful. Don't multiply wives. 700 wives, 700 mother-in-laws. My, my, my. Proverbs 14 verse 8. The prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. Write that down. The wise know where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. I love the message. It says the wisdom of the wise keeps life on track, but the foolishness of fools lands them in the ditch. How many of you know we don't want to be in the ditch? Amen? Now look with me in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. just want to give you a few scriptures here tonight. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom. I don't know if we get there tonight, but... There's a number of scriptures that says the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, because it's not taught by man, it's caught in the spirit. And it talks about the spirit of wisdom. But right now here in Colossians chapter two, verse two, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Who's talking about the body of Christ? I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In verse three, in him lie hidden all say all. Not some, but all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Him lies the treasures, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're, they're, they're laid up for you and I. And you can just write down Colossians 1, 27 through 28 tells us that we have to get wisdom. We have to get knowledge. Wisdom will give us the fight we need as, as we're going on. Now, uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11 because I want to get to this point tonight and, and, and we'll just stop there. Isaiah chapter 11. Because as the Lord gave this to me, I just feel like it is such a strong emphasis that we wake up to the need of wisdom. And I'm going to show you some things. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And here's one place. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. And verse 3 says, And he will delight in obeying the Lord. Solomon lost that. 
And He will not judge by appearance. Solomon lost that. Nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake by the force of His word and one breath from His mouth would destroy the wicked. Now I want you to write this down. I want you to go back and do a word study and I want you to meditate on this because this is one of the scriptures that the Lord wants us meditating in to walk in wisdom in these last days. That we will not judge by hearsay. That we, we, we would not be turned uh, 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 by, by uh, uh, we would not, our delight will be on obeying God. And we will not judge by appearance. And it talks that way about Christ many times that he didn't judge by appearance. And that's what wisdom will help us to do. And that is so important for us to do in these last days. It means to discern the situation. Write that down. It means to discern the situation. Discern the situation. And I want, and let me go back over this. It says, He will delight in obeying God and He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not walking in the spirit of wisdom, unbelief can even sound wise. Doubt and unbelief. Well, that makes sense. You don't walk by common sense. You walk by the spirit of wisdom and discernment. You hear what I'm saying, church? And I'm, I'm going to give you some scriptures on this here in, in the New Testament. But, but I'll, we've got to get this, church. We've got to get this in our heart. We've got to get this in our heart. That, that I, 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 what may be unbelief, disbelief, uh, somebody's feelings, and we're going to see the spirit of religion is all tied into this. That we have to walk in the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, so we don't fall down in, a, in, a, in unbelief or, or, or fall into some areas in our own insight. So look with me where I want to go right now in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And, and this, this is so important. Look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one, Paul's writing to his son. He's saying here, you know, this Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. And listen, if that's, this is it today for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving and they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Verse 4, they will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to withstand the truth. Take note of that. 
There's all, always getting new teachings, but really never getting the real truth into the heart. It's just not women. The woman represents the church. It's the body here. It's the body. Getting new revelation, but never getting truth or understanding it. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. They've depraved, they, they have depraved minds and counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday, Everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jambres. It goes on to say, you can read the rest, but verse 17 says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, when you do a word study of this, especially in the King James Bible, get a hold of this. People are going to come across, they're going to learn to use wisdom. Wisdom, common sense, and knowledge that's going to come across to sound religious, it's going to sound spiritual, it's going to sound good. But if you do a word study, especially there in the King James Bible, it says, uh, always learning. Verse 7, do a word study on this. Always learning and never able to come to knowledge of the truth. The word learning means the capability of mounting up knowledge to manipulate and control and get their way. They got all the tapes, they got all the books, they got all the series, they go to all the conventions, they got all the degrees. They come in here and they got a lot of knowledge, but they don't even know the truth on how they can live in joy and peace and happiness. And they take all this knowledge and they take all this word and they're always in the word and they're always in the word, always mounting up knowledge, but never knowing the truth because the results are never there. Wisdom is the hinge that opens or shuts the door. Come on, church, we need to get this. You'll hear all this stuff. And boy, I mean, you know, it, it, it does. It, it is also when someone can just quote and just tell you all this type of stuff. But it says here, be careful, because in the last days, even the very elect will be deceived because it's going to come across like I am very concerned about you. I love you. Or really, what's it saying? They're going to come and say, I'm very concerned about me. And I love me. And it's amazing the times I have seen in the time I've been in the States, more than I saw in South America, where somebody will come in, and I've had somebody with me from the very beginning, faithful, every service. And somebody come in and start building a relationship. And their life says... A lot of things. But it's amazing that over a season, that ever learning, but never coming to know the truth, that their knowledge turns into manipulation and so religious sounding, so counter, so, so, uh, sounds so real, and they seem so real that they start turning someone who's been sounded and founded on the truth 
but because of a relationship and because how good it sounds coming out of that person. They, 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 they allow themselves to be deceived, as Paul's telling Timothy to be careful of. They allow themselves to be deceived, and this relationship ends up taking them. And I'll meet with them, and I say, but I'm your pastor. I love you. I've met with you and your children. I've met with you and your husband. Uh, we have years together, but that doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter when the knowledge that puffed up has already taken root and stolen the wisdom that leads them to life. This is the end time wisdom that God is telling us. Solomon, with all of his wisdom and knowledge, was not kept by it. Those little women came. Those little Pharaoh women and them other women came. And they slowly turned his heart because they started, you know, devil, devil's people ain't stupid. Friends aren't stupid. And they think, you know, I'd have a whole lot of fun if you start partying with me again and start doing these things you used to do with me again. And, you know, a little bit of sin won't hurt. And, and, you know, a little bit of this won't bother us. So, so you know, they, they start just enticing and saying, you know, a little bit won't bother. After all, God will forgive you. And they'll start, they'll, they'll read something and they'll say so many things that sound so spiritual. But you've got to constantly ask yourself. What do I feel the truth of God, of the Spirit, is telling me? Holy Spirit, help me to discern. Help me to discern. Church, you hearing my heart? Help me to discern. What is the truth and what is religious manipulation and control trying to get me out of the perfect will of God? The spirit of religion is that spirit that controls whole bodies. And it's only the truth that sets us free. And this nation would still be free if we never got, if we never would have let loose of truth and given in to the counterfeit and religion and knowledge and what sounds good. We did buy into the spirit of religion where if it's a robe and a nice scarf and everything sounds so pretty and nice and the, and the uh, $150,000 pipe organ is just right. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, I feel the presence of God. There's sometimes the dryer's going and I feel peace. Boom, 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 boom. I want us to catch this. I want us to catch this. We need discernment in these days. Because sometimes there's such a fine line and, 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 and just so, so close together what is truth and what is knowledge mounted up. And we have to grab hold of this and we have to be careful and, and we have to watch. Amen, church. We have to watch this. We have to be careful. And, and it just goes on to say, always learning and never able to come to knowledge of the truth. And he talks about those who they resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. They will progress no farther. Isn't this something? Some only get to a certain point and they never progress anymore. Will manifest to all as there also was. But it says, you have to be careful and you follow my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. 
persecutions and afflictions. All of these things he talks about, I endured and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men, but evil men will and imposters. Listen to what it says in verse 13. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Do, do you hear that church? Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Oh, I just feel, I just know the Holy Spirit is crying out to His church. Church, wake up! You know, I won't grab you by the hair. But maybe that pain you're fighting in your knee is God trying to get your attention. Why haven't you healed me? Because when are you going to stop and hear me? You hear me, I heal you. Maybe the Holy Spirit's grabbing us a few by the beards or the toe or the elbow or the ear saying, I want to talk to you from the depths of my heart to your heart. And keep you from being deceived from that which the enemy goes in the last days. And it says, knowing from whom you have learned them. And from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man and the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped of every good work. He's saying, I'm warning you. And I want to give you an example. The Lord gave this to me the other day. Look with me in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. And this just went so well. I read in my devotional, so I thought I'd share it with you because it was so well. Galatians chapter 5 verse 7. This is the New Living Translation. It says, Galatians 5 verse 7. You were running the race so well. You were doing so good. You were so close. Solomon was, life was almost over. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for He is the one who called you to freedom. Verse 9, this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised or religion or manipulating, or some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? In other words, he's saying, if you don't believe I'm preaching the truth, then just listen to how many people hate me. Because if they hate me, it's because they hate the truth. He's saying, I'm preaching the truth. And as long as they're attacking me, that's just to show you what I'm preaching is the truth. You hear what Paul's saying here? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross, no one would be offended. Isn't that something? So listen, as long as you might be going through something, you must be doing something right. Because you're going upriver 
instead of downstream. And it's not going to be easy. Look at 1 Corinthians. We're close there and I'll close. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, for they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts and who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. How many are claiming the mind of Christ every day? I just want you to get a hold of these things. Uh, We just trying to tap into some things because I feel like it is so important because it's amazing how easy we can be picked up by something false or something fake or something religious or something that sounds good or something that that, that sounds close to the truth. But it's only the truth that will keep us and maintain us free. And we've got to seek God. We've got to devour the book. We've got to meditate on Proverbs and Psalms. And we've got to read the Word of God and meditate on it day and night. We've got to desire and ask God for the spirit of wisdom in a mighty way. Lord, give me a discerning heart. That's what Solomon asked for. And he received it, a discerning heart. But many times what we confuse a discerning heart is a discerning mind. And we, we try to figure things out with our mind and we try to feel with our mind and we try to understand with our mind. And the things that God wants to tell us many times is foolishness to our mind and we will not capture it with our mind. We capture it with our spirit. And there's a part of our spirit that wants to receive the deep things, the profound things from God. And that's just staying in the Word and digging in His presence and saying, Father, I want to I know Your voice. I want to know Your presence. So everything that I hear, I can sense Your presence around it. And in these last times and in these last days, as we were reading, we've got to be careful. Because one thing we've got to understand that it says many times in Proverbs, wisdom is the principal thing which means it's the number one in importance. And so I want to encourage you that, 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 that as we study these things, I want to encourage you, please, seek wisdom and sell or not. Seek wisdom. My son, attend to my words. My daughter, receive the instructions. It talks about leaning towards wisdom and getting wisdom because I, I had it written down tonight. It's amazing the list of things just in chapter 4 alone that wisdom gives. Long life, honor, protection, guidance, the list goes on. A lot of the things we're asking God for, give me by faith, comes by just receiving wisdom. And so, seek God. I had somebody ask me a question before church about something, and I just confirmed what wisdom was already telling her. She was already discerning something. And, and, and practice your discernment. The Bible says that our senses grow through discernment. The, the, the gift of discernment grows by our senses growing. Exercise discernment. Ask God for a discerning heart. Amen, church. Ask God for a discerning heart. If you're watching a program or listen to me, I want to tell you right now, uh, there, there's some problems already. And I'll tell you why. People are listening to the news. And when the Spirit of God tells them, okay, that's enough, they're not listening. 
And every minute goes by that you're out of obedience. Things are getting into you that God wanted to guard you from. Mm. So what happens? Things start coming out of the mouth. Things start festering into the heart. Things start happening. Why? Because the Spirit of God says, you've watched too much of this. Change it. I, I, I Just watch what you have to watch and then get your mind and your heart back on me or on something else more pleasant. But don't stay long in the area of disobedience. I'm warning you, says the Spirit of Wisdom. Amen. Did you get something out of this tonight? Amen. Amen. Did you get something out of this? How many of you feel it's important? It's important. It's important. Because, boy, I tell you, you know, it even talks there, relationships, friendships, you know, people we just automatically trust. Listen, I tell you all the time, bring your Bible and follow me. Don't, don't take my word for it. Don't just listen and say, well, pastor said that. No, 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 no. You see if it really says that. I told you tonight, that word knowing, ever learning, and never coming to knowledge, go do a word study on that word. It's all about abundance of religious ideas and stuff. It never will set you free. So always go along with the word. Take notes. You have any questions, ask me. I don't know the answers and I shouldn't have said it. And if I don't know, we'll look it up. But church, get your discernment and get wisdom going. Because listen, I don't know how this year is going to end. I don't know how the new year is going to begin. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know what Proverbs says. I do know what the Word says. And if we get a hold of it now, and we don't wait till the hurricane's going to hit tomorrow, and we're already prepared weeks in advance, you can just spend weeks in advance more restful instead of getting fretful over what happened. So let's prepare now. Amen? Let's stand up. Sunday we bring our bring our giving and our tithes and our offerings. You know, instead of speaking the response to what you've seen in your life with your finances, how about we become a speaking spirit today and proclaim what God's word says? Yeah, yeah, I know I've been struggling, but the Bible says the word I've become one with says this. It speaks in this way. I always have all and abound. 
that I may always have all sufficiency in all things for every good work. The same God that raised Christ from the dead and provided the salvation promised me that I would have all my needs met according to His riches in glory. How you been doing financially? You know what? It hasn't been that awesome, but I tell you what, it's turning around because the Bible says... I proclaim over my finances and over your finances that the God's Word must bear fruit as you open your mouth and not become a responder but an imperative speaking spirit and command the blessing of God over your finances. If you're looking for a job, I command you go get one. Hallelujah. See, we're not telling people what to do. You're empowering. You know, you're not saying, I don't know what to do. Now you're saying, I will know exactly what to do. See the difference? We're not saying, I don't know where to find a job. You're going to say, I know exactly where to go get one. Well, where? I'll know. See, you're, you're, you're a creator rather than a responder. What are we going to do about these gas prices? We're going to talk to them. See what I'm saying? What are we going to do about the economy? Oh, the economy has been so bad. You know what? It's changing here. You know why it's changing? Because we're going to say so. Because God never wants economy to go down. He always wants it to go up. He never wants a curse. He always wants a blessing. Glory to God. So when you see something becoming cursed, talk to it. Talk to it. See, because you're a speaking spirit. Praise God. I never have enough to give. Stop responding like a human being. Begin speaking like a word being. Begin to say, I always have enough. I always have enough. I'm glad I have something to give. God has blessed me being able to be a giver, not a taker. Glory to God. I mean, talk to stuff. I like saying, someone says, how are you going to get the money for it? I'm like, I told somebody last night, I said, we need about, you know, 150000 to build out the building once we buy it. And he says, well, where are you going to get that? I said, oh, my, my, my dad's got it. He's promised it to me. He goes, oh, that's great. And he goes, I thought your dad died. I'm like, Who's your daddy? Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. We ought to just be able to speak what the Word of God says. My dad's got it. He's promised it to me. I've been given a right to be a child of the living God because of the Word of Jesus. Praise God. Yeah. That's the Word I'm born from. Glory to God. Who's your daddy? <laughs> well, this has been fun. But all good things have to continue. Hug somebody, tell them I love you, you're blessed. Standing in the presence of two heroes of the faith and the Messiah, the one who would bring the kingdom, the rule and reign of God to this fallen world. This was a pinnacle moment for these three disciples. This was, this was the summit Jesus, in their presence, revealed his glory. There was just one more glimpse given to them. In this moment, on top of this mountain, they saw, when you hear the word glory and shining, transfiguration, they saw with a little clarity that this man was for real. 
that he was authentic, that he was a man of authority. Mark chapter 9, verse 5. Peter said to Jesus, It is good for us to be here. Let us put up three tents or three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. 